The following is a paid presentation of Confluence Business Advisors. Welcome to What's Next. What's Next is recorded live and available across multiple platforms. It's where we talk business, exchange ideas, share tips, and answer your questions. 26 minutes of conversation about small business, entrepreneurship, nonprofits, and economic and community development. Here's your host, Ron Tanner. Well, good evening, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to What's Next. I'm Ron Tanner, and I'm joined in the studio tonight with the whole Stevenson clan from Quality Buick GMC Cadillac. And uh, we're going to get to those guys in just a few minutes, but uh, we're also going to talk tonight uh, with them about uh, family business. And, of course, in our last program, we spoke with the Freers about their experiences uh, in family business and what that's been like. And the, the Stevensons are another that uh, can certainly shed a light on that. And, and so we're eager to talk to them about that. But also tonight, we're going to talk about uh, doing charitable projects or pro bono work, volunteering, donating uh, time versus leadership. Um, versus networking or marketing and what reasons are motivating us to get involved in projects like that as small businesses. But also, uh, what's the impact on our brand when we do things like that? And where do we draw the line? And uh, I'm going to bring one of my uh, colleagues in that's actually doing this program and uh, if you want to come over here, Rick Vaughn is going to join me because I want to talk just a little bit about uh, the Benjamin Godfrey Trail Project that Confluence has been uh, been involved in for about the last, how many months has it been here, Rick? Um, probably 12 months. Yeah, it seems, seems, yeah, it, even it is. seems longer than that. Yeah, but, uh, it, it, I think for, for Zeke, it's probably been <laughs> almost two years. Yeah, that's right. Here you go, Oliver. You can uh, take a listen on the headset. And we have uh, Oliver Stevenson in, in the studio with us, and that's uh, Cody Stevenson's son. And uh, Oliver, I didn't even ask you how old you are. How old are you? Seven. So we have a seven-year. He looks like he's about ten and and ready to join the football team. Uh, he's <laughs> he's a nice-sized young man. Um, but uh, Rick, I, you know, when I'm the one that drew Rick Vaughn and and videography into this project, and um, it's a community project. It's uh, uh, it, it's supposed to impact and I think it's going to go well beyond this but it's supposed to to impact the community uh, through increased awareness of, of the story of our community but also the tourism aspect because it's so historical um, the ties of Benjamin Godfrey to the way this, a lot of the major thoroughfares and railroads lay out in this town are directly a result of his his effort. Uh, we're sitting in a studio uh, that's in a building where his home was once 
uh, right in the, the basement of the Stratford Hotel on Market Street. And uh, just up the hill from us is uh, the Episcopal Church. Uh, which his first church yeah yeah, yeah. so why yeah, don't you why don't you lean a, into a microphone I here? was just telling my partner Ken Clayton that this was where Godfrey's first mansion was on the night that uh, his warehouse was burned and Elijah P Lovejoy was murdered he was he was on this hill watching as it happened you know, if you go right outside WBGZ here, you got a direct shot to where the warehouse was, the Godfrey Gilman warehouse. Mm -hmm. and, and right at the flour mill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, it's a really interesting history of this area. When you start, I didn't realize Godfrey was such a substantial character <clears throat> until I got into this project. And uh, it's been fascinating. I, that brings to mind uh, an important question. Um, what's your takeaway from this experience? Because, you know, when we started this, uh, we were going to produce, you know, a six-minute piece uh, for them and uh, capture a few it events. Five, it was and, five minutes, actually. And, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're going to probably roll out a premiere documentary of about how long when it's all oh, said it's, and done might be close to a half hour yeah you know i'm i'm very much inspired by what ken burns does and of course we don't have that kind of budget to do the kind of research that that he does but as much as i can i put effort into research and you know to just get all the interesting facts out and pictures and paintings and everything i mean because he i mean the the whole history of alton uh kind of is on godfrey's shoulders it, it's amazing that this man who, whose attorney was abraham lincoln he he developed the railroad line from here to to uh, from alton to springfield called the alton sangamon railroad um, Lincoln was an investor in that railroad. That is now uh, soon to be the high-speed rail line from Chicago to St. Louis. It's exactly the same path. And um, we're, we're going to open a new uh, multimodal facility here in, you know, just a short time. And, and Dave, uh, you're, Stevenson and I were just wondering what that absolute date is and we're not absolutely sure but it's soon because i know they're they're building the crossings out now and uh, as soon as i think that's done you know, it'll be a, within weeks it's interesting uh, it's an interesting fact that abraham lincoln had a lot of respect for godfrey and he would come from springfield down to godfrey's house to work on projects together mm-hmm Lincoln was his lawyer for the railroad and other things, you know. And I just interviewed Dale Chapman out at the college, Lewis and Clark College. As part of this project, As part right? of this project. And he was sitting at Benjamin Godfrey's desk <laughs> where it is rumored that Lincoln used to work with him at the Godfrey Mansion whenever he would come down to, from Springfield. Yeah, it's it's just been a, an incredible project. We we've, we've got to move on, but I, one thing I want you to 
give, give me a quick takeaway from having the experience to work on this project. What has it meant to you? Well, <clears throat> it's, it's not a whole lot of money. It's kind of like beer and pizza money, as, <laughs> as we like to say. But um, uh, the, the takeaway is the knowledge of um, how important this particular person was to this area. And you can see from studying his life <clears throat> what is um, the legacy um, of this area and how it ties into him. I mean, there is a huge connection there. Well, it's, uh, you've done a heck of a job putting together uh, what I've seen thus far, and it's still not quite done, but we're, we're going to be premiering this documentary at uh, the Benjamin Godfrey Trail fundraiser called Come Follow the Benjamin Godfrey Trail, Thursday, October 12th, out at Lewis and Clark, which was founded by Benjamin Godfrey as Monticello College, but really Monticello Female Seminary. And uh, so it's still in existence. The chapel is still in existence and functioning. Uh, and the Godfrey Mansion uh, is still in existence and functioning in a central part of of the uh, culture uh, that where we live. And I just am fascinated by the whole thing. But thanks a lot for taking a few minutes here to oh, join us. You're welcome. And now get behind the camera and capture <laughs> the rest of this stuff. Yeah, Rick Vaughn, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and and I. Uh, couldn't be more proud to work with anybody than I am to work with Rick. Uh, he and his partner, Ken Clayton, are, are in-house tonight trying out some new equipment. And uh, Jordan is going to uh, tell you how you can see all of these productions that we're doing and how you can participate in the program. And uh, that'll be coming up here right away. Be sure to tune in to the next show of What's Next on August 16th. We're going to have a man of many talents, John Plackt. He's a professional CPA, business valuator, forensic accountant, expert witness, and exit planning advisor. He'll be here to provide tips about what he does and for business owners and everyday people. We'd like to give a quick shout out to our underwriters at Shivers Frozen Custard, Quality Buick GMC Cadillac, and Johnson's Corner. Be sure to continue the conversation by emailing us at info at confluenceba.com or check out our website with previous videos and more about who we are and what we do at confluenceba.com. You know, I'm third generation here, so my grandfather started, you know, the company in 1958. Well, actually before that, but I acquired it in 1958. And, um, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on me to, to do well and to carry on, you know, the family name. I, the great thing is that we do have a great reputation and a great family name, but, you know, reputation is much easily given, much easier to give away than it is to gain. So, you know, I have almost 60 years of good reputation building that now I have to try to keep up. So that's a lot of pressure, but I think that's why, you know, we strive to do so well, and I do with every single customer, and I tell them that, you know, when they're here buying a car, I always tell them that, 
you know, and it's the truth. I, my reputation means everything. And we live in a smaller town where people know us. And so, you know, that should give them a confidence to know that I'm not going to do anything that would sacrifice our reputation. All right. Welcome back. And uh, the voice that you just heard was that of Cody Stevenson, one of the uh, one of the family members. I guess I better talk into this microphone um, of the quality Buick GMC Cadillac dealerships. Uh, he's here along with his dad, David Stevenson, and his brother, uh, Chad Stevenson. And uh, gentlemen, welcome and say hello, please. Hello, hello. Thank good you evening. for having uh, us. Yeah, yeah, good to be here. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's great to have you here. We, uh, uh, I've known this family for a long time because I, I was introduced to you guys by my dad, and um, he he bought. I remember the first Pontiac he bought. Because yeah, right. he, he was a she- General Motors guy, but he always loved Chevys. And, uh, man, he got a Pontiac Catalina, 67. And he drove it home from your dealership down on Broadway at the time. Nice. And it had – and guess who was just learning to drive? Oh, boy. Your, your first drive. <laughs> man, a four-barrel carburetor, and I knew how to get in it. <laughs> and uh, – <laughs> If my father was still alive, he could tell you what color that car was. Well, what color do you of, think it might have been? Well, back then, green was popular. So well, it green, was blue. Blue, okay. Blue with a white roof. Oh boy, that was nice. Oh yeah, it was. It was a beauty. Um, so we'll not. Uh, we'll stop that reminiscing here. I'm. <laughs> I uh, am interested uh, to talk to you guys about. You know, we talk about marketing a lot. And about selling cars, and but we also spend a good deal of time ab- about talking about the culture, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the culture is an important part of your dealership. I think personally, I think it's one of the things that sets you apart from all, not just car dealers, but from business, just any business, you, because you bring, you, you have people there that seem to make an incredible difference. So um, I, I'm going to start with Cody because, you know, we, we just heard about the responsibility that you have, mm-hmm. you know, to the reputation of the brand, the Stevenson name, the quality brand. Talk, talk to us a little bit more about <clears throat> how that trickles down through the rest of the team. Well, it's been a little while since I heard what it was that everybody just heard on the radio, so I'm not <laughs> sure what I'll be repeating. Or, um, but yeah, it is. It's always been. It's always on the top of our mind. I think as we hear so many people come in and say, just like you did, oh, I bought a car from your grandfather, you know, 42 years ago. So, you know, it's always constantly repeated to you all the time that this didn't just start yesterday. You know, you're just a piece of the puzzle that <clears throat> you know started almost 60 years ago. So. It's constantly trying to carry on the the what we think is a good name and um, a good reputation, and you know we always have to be cognizant of that every day while we're dealing with every customer, and uh, hope that we portray ourselves and our business well. Uh, Chad, tell us what you do at the dealership. Well, my official title is finance manager, which basically entails. Arranging financing, setting up leasing for people that are purchasing cars, 
uh, making sure the state title work, taxes are paid, license and titles are transferred properly, everything's in order to, to complete the transaction. But uh, that's my official title, and of course we all wear a, lo a lot of different hats that, that we don't uh, really really put a title on. Um, like Cody said, with, with being the third generation in the family business, uh, it is it, it's it's humbling when people come in and, and they're they're purchasing a car and and they bring up the fact that you know my grandparents bought cars from your grandpa or my parents bought cars from your grandpa or your dad. Um, you know, way before Cody and I were even born, this was going on. I mean, he was, uh, my grandpa started the dealership almost 20 years before I was even born. So he'd already established himself and, uh, and his name um, in Alton and the surrounding areas uh, way before we were around. So, you know, like, like, like Cody said, it is kind of like we're, we're a piece of the puzzle mm -hmm. and uh, that helps pull everything together. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we, Continue on with uh, with the standard that was set by my grandpa and my father. My grandpa always told me that if we take care of our customers, they'll take care of us. And he lived by that. And uh, when he was alive and and we were working together, I, I witnessed him uh, take care of people and, and put the customer first. And and uh, even if it didn't completely seem right, he would uh, he would uh, swallow his pride and he would make sure that people were happy. And uh, I think that that was a good example for me uh, to see how we need to carry our business forward in the future and and uh, continue on not just with our not just with our customers but also with our employees, the people that we work with every day. Um, we've got a certain culture where where we encourage growth and, and security. I want to talk to your dad about that because um, you you know we we have um, recently talked we we recorded um, video with a number of employees um, talking about what it's like to work at the dealership as an employee and as a career and and then what it's like to to sell cars mm -hmm. at quality. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like what what they have to deliver personally and what they expect of themselves. This whole idea of trickle-down and careers and, you know, if, if you have the right people in the right seats on the bus, you can go anywhere you want to go. That's what Jim Collins says in Good mm -hmm. to Great. Right. So how does that fit it? Well, quality. You're, you're absolutely right. And I, I was thinking just today when I was pondering what we're going to talk about on the program and what you said is that we hope that people don't know what changes are going about in the business because the one constant in our business is our people and the face we put forward. But in the background, we've got new computer systems coming in. We've got electric cars coming in. We've got new equipment. We've got changes of factory representatives. We When we go to work, when Chad and Cody go to work, it's we're, we're, we're running to keep up with all the changes in our industry. And we used to be small place on Broadway with 100 cars. Now we're a lot of overhead out in the parkway with 300 cars in two locations. So what we, what we think is that our people, our staff, don't show that all the transitions and changes and processes they're going through, they're still that same friendly guy that meets you at the door when you come in, the, the same... Uh, 
Leslie Birch, our office manager, been with so long that even recognizes most people's names when they call in, if you've called in more than two or three times. And and so it, the great part about our businesses is, is our people are like the bedrock, and it, it's solid and unchanging, even though internally and in at our meetings we're constantly talking about what we're going to do to change, improve our processes, the the deal with the new computer systems. The adapt. Train. Yeah, adapt, <laughs> adapt, adapt. It, it never stays the same. But I don't think you, Ron, as a customer, realize, and we, we don't want you to, to know all the things we're doing. We just want you to be feel welcome when you come in. We want people who, who, who've been coming in for generations to, that we can call them by name, and we're glad they're there. So that's it's really the people part that makes everything consistent, despite how harried everything goes before we open the door and after we lock the door. <laughs> it's, we try to make it seem calm i guess the words shalom you know yeah well that actually happened yesterday um uh, while i was in uh talking uh, i i i stopped by to talk to you briefly about what we were going to do here at the show and i had the uh, i'm i'm leaving on vacation tomorrow morning and one of angelo who who's sitting in for Terry this week in the service writer, mm-hmm. you know? There's a guy who's trying to do his job and somebody else's job because of vacations right. and all of that, uh, which goes on in every small business in America. You know, people need time away. Right. That's how we recharge, Absolutely. right? Right. And so uh, <laughs> he. Said, well, you know, you. I think you're really ready for, for a service. And he said, uh, you want me to get that in while you're here talking to Dave? <laughs> yeah. Boom. I get done with my, my uh, meeting uh, with you, and mm-hmm. my car's ready in five minutes. So it was pretty cool. Well, that's uh, that's going on for a long time. Also, I remember when I first started, the um, <clears throat> you know smoking was okay indoors. So. My grandfather smoked, and he always knew that business was being done if there was smoke bellowing out of his office. You know, he was <laughs> usually there's, you know two people and they're smoking and they're you know they're finishing up some service or talking business, and yeah. but that was his favorite part was, and that's kind of what we still go through minus you know the bellowing smoke, but it's the uh, just sitting there talking to people, catching up, and you know trying to abide their time while they're enjoying being with us and having service work done. I. I think that it's really cool the way you talk about um, customers for sure, very fondly as all of us do. But but your people and the way you spot, fond, or speak fondly of them, because often uh, I, I hear a lot of employers complain about people, and I have to believe that some of that's self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> Uh, they they don't train them. They don't spend enough time showing them how to do it the right way. Uh, but there's always enough time to do it over, right? Right. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, I, I want to move to uh, this topic I mentioned earlier about um, you guys do a lot with charity and with community. Uh, what is the small business impact on a community? Well, um you know, when we go to work each day, we don't really think about all the tentacles that reach out from our business. But 
as I knew you were going to ask that, and I was thinking, well, how do we impact the community? And and even before the social events we get into and the, the charitable events, that we have about 40 full-time employees, and we have uh, two locations now. So we're supporting 40 families, and they go out in the community, and they work. And Joe Hanahan's a, a, one of our sales guys, been with us for years and years. He's involved in the park and recreation. He's involved in the Halloween parade. He's big advocate of the uh, painting brigade. He does so much. And we've got people that volunteer East as firemen. It just, yeah, East End. But so many of our people, just from our nucleus of 40 people, they just impact the community so wide, even more so than just us as a dealership with them in their private lives. But we like to be involved in, in every community event we, we can. We've done uh, events with Toys for Tots, uh, Toys for Tots. We've Service League. We've had some in-house fundraisers for them. We've done uh, Cornerstone Ministries. We've helped uh, disadvantaged people get cars repaired that couldn't afford it. And we've hmm. So we do a lot of things. We, one of my favorites is this Schumann Water Project that we're involved in for a couple of years now. Where people are bringing old shoes to us in bags, and we turn those in. They sell them. They build water wells in third world countries. So if you wonder when you walk in sometime Angela's office there's bags full of dirty shoes it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's because of the shoe man project yeah. my wife works for William Bedell and we make a an annual trek to the shoe man oh yeah great uh, for great. for that and uh, so yeah I, I can see that but we just really uh, enjoy being involved in the project uh, how much is too much when it comes to charitable uh, efforts how how tough is it to decide what you want to support versus what you can't? Or, you know, I'm doing this, so I'm not going to do that. And, you know, what I'm saying? Uh, Chad what, or, or Cody, either one of you. Well, it's, it, it's hard because you'd, you'd like to be able to support everything. And so we try to spread around the resources we have to as many different places as we can. And maybe if we can't do 100% of what they ask, but we could contribute something. Um, on top of the, the organizations we deal with, we do a lot of donations for fundraisers for ill people, uh, people who lost family members, mm -hmm. uh, VFW organizations, things like that. Um, there's a lot of small items too, uh, not just the big uh, the, the big charitable events. But it's uh, it's difficult because you never want to turn anyone away, and we definitely try not to. But you you do have to sometimes you have make to decisions yeah, occasionally yeah. yeah occasionally yeah. what what do you think cody uh, i mean there's a pretty steady flow that comes through the door i uh, there's i would say would your big heart have I, anything I, to yeah, do with that I, I don't know i would say it's every other day that somewhere around there they have yeah. another person walk through the door somewhere around the sixth or seventh person's in trouble they, they yeah exactly yeah if they come sorry. late in the day sorry they beat you here yeah, the budget's done for the day but uh yeah it's it is tough because like i said it's it's a steady flow going through, but I think that's part of being a small business in a town is that that's just kind of part of the deal. You're you're um, dedicated to helping out the people in your community, and that's one way to do it. I, uh, I, I'm going to – I think the natural segue here to this is um, – it's an important topic. Two minutes left. So, David, um, I'm going to throw this right at you. Uh, you guys can chime in, but we got a couple minutes, less, a little less than that now. Faith, religion, and business. I am told that that's not a good mix. 
always that you risk in offending you know people in a big way that way you guys are pretty faithful a uh, lot yes and uh, how does how does that play out in your business well i don't think you can separate the two i mean the the premise that our faith is is treat others as you want to be treated and and that's pretty hard to not to put into your business it's a good policy faith wise and business wise but yeah, we're fortunate all of us have good strong faiths and believers in Christ Jesus and and uh, he has guided us through a lot of troubles so we're, it's part of us we don't try to separate it we don't promote it a lot in the dealership but we certainly don't separate our faith mm-hmm. from our work yeah I asked Pat King about that uh, earlier today in a conversation we had and he said almost word for word what you just said it's <laughs> it's who you are or who you aren't Correct. Uh, and you know, it's um, you just have to be who you are. We're we're down to uh, about a minute left, and I want to thank you guys for coming in and spending time with us. I told you this would be a half fast half hour. Sure was. Um, and I I've got about twelve more questions here for you, but <laughs> we'll we'll just have to continue this on a different platform. Uh, I think that. The the Stevensons, the Freers, there are any number of quality businesses, and no pun intended, uh, in our market area that that we can learn from. But uh, I want to thank you all for coming, and Oliver, thank especially you for you, um, <laughs> for you. attending. He got to, you're welcome. Uh, he he got to the experience of sitting in the studio, and. Um, I want to just mention quickly that our next show coming up is Today's Law with Patrick King. And uh, next show for us is on the 16th with John Plackt, CPA. So we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks. What's Next is recorded and broadcast live at the studios of WBGZ Radio in Alton, Illinois, and is a production of Confluence Business Advisors and distributed by Confluence Media Network. Be sure to continue the conversation and email us at info at confluenceba.com, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or simply go to confluenceba.com.